Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship today. Special welcome to friends, guests, or visitors we have with us, and also a welcome to uh, those who are joining us online or on the phone. We are glad to have you with us. And, and thanks to uh, Eric and Latisa Castleberg, who you might see back there uh, uh, helping getting things ready for our live stream. I appreciate the work they've been putting in uh, to get that ready this morning and before today. If you're interested in being involved in the kind of live stream rotation or team, uh, talk to me, talk to Eric. Uh, we'll, we're working on getting kind of a sign-up sheet or a rotation going so we can have uh, a variety of people involved in that. So thanks, Eric and Leticia. Just a couple of announcements today. Um, first of all, uh, I really want to make sure everyone knows about the Pet Festival, which is next Sunday, October 3rd, in honor of St. Francis Day. St. Francis being the saint known most for his love of animals and of creation, and so we're, we're very excited. And uh, it's, a, uh, it's an idea that started small and kept getting bigger and bigger, and now it's turned into a whole, a whole festival, which I'm very excited about. We're partnering with uh, Underdog Pet Rescue to raise some money for them and their important work. We're giving away goodie bags from Bad Dog Frida, which is the pet supply store just around the corner from us. Um, and for humans, even if you don't have a pet, we have live music featuring our global music uh, ensemble, and we'll have food uh, for humans um, provided by Holy Cow Food Truck, um, which is a, a pay-as-you-can food truck. So if you have a dollar in your pocket, uh, that'll get you food. If you have nothing in your pocket, that'll get you food. Um, or if you want to pay a little extra to help cover the cost of the food, anything that goes above and beyond the expense of the food will go to Underdog as well. And so it's going to be a fun day, and I hope you'll attend if you are able. Um, we're also uh, looking for a way to remember pets who have died. So even if you don't have a pet currently, but maybe you've had one in the past or you're grieving the loss of a pet, uh, I'd invite you to bring a picture of them, and we'll, we'll have a place where you can can place that in memory of them. We're also trying something a bit new with our prayer ministry. Um, every Monday, at least for a little while here, um, I'm going to be leading about a 15-minute prayer call on Mondays at noon, and there's information about how to dial into that. Uh, and mostly what we'll do is, on the back of your uh, announcement sheet, there's a list of the people we're praying for. And on Sunday, we only pray for some of these people, but in that prayer call, we'll take some time to pray for each person um, and also take any prayer requests. So if you are in special need of prayer this week, feel free to call in, and we'll be sure to pray for you as well. Also, just want to keep before you that we have our fall congregational meeting coming up on October 17th. We have several important items of business, um, including electing new council members, uh, talking about the proposed landscaping plan, which you can see down in the lower narthex. And we're also in this uh, interesting time of discernment where we're talking about pastoral leadership, um, about my uh, contract here and what, what uh, uh, might be next with that. And so um, we will have a congregational vote whether or not uh, we'll enter into a, a, a regular call together. And so um, there's information about that in your bulletin. You'll be seeing a letter coming out this week explaining a little bit more about the pastoral call process and our work with the bishop and the synod on that. Just two, two final things. Um, Betty Yoakum, a member of our church, passed away this past week, and her service is on Thursday. So we're remembering Betty, Betty and our, her family in our prayers today and ask that you do so as well. And then, last of all, we have a couple of birthdays that I know of to mention today. First of all, it is Gary Turk's birthday, uh, so we're celebrating Gary's birthday, and the flowers, I, I believe, are here in, in a celebration of his birthday. And then tomorrow is uh, Phil Paulson's 80th birthday, and, <laughs> and uh, there's going to be some cake downstairs after the service uh, to celebrate that, so please uh, join us downstairs for that. And I think maybe we should just take a moment to sing happy birthday to both Gary and Phil. Are there any other birthdays that we should include? <laughs> happy birthday. 
birthday to you both, and uh, we'll begin our service with our prelude music to center ourselves for worship. Stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose teaching is life, whose presence is sure, and whose love is endless. Amen. Let us confess our sins to the one who welcomes us with an open heart. God, our comforter, like lost sheep who have gone astray, we gaze upon abundance and see scarcity. We turn our faces away from injustice and oppression. We exploit the earth with our apathy and greed. Free us from our sin, gracious God. Listen when we call out to you for help. Lead us by your love to love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. By the gift of grace in Christ Jesus, God makes you righteous. Receive with glad hearts the forgiveness of all your sins. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Generous God, your Son gave his life that we might come to peace with you. Give us a share of your Spirit, and in all we do, empower us to bear the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading is from Numbers, chapter 11. The rabble among them had a strong craving, and the Israelites also wept again and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing. The cucumbers, melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, all at the entrances of their tents. Then the Lord became very angry, and Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you treated your servants so badly? Why have I not found favor in your sight, that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive this people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a sucking child to the land that you promised an oath to our ancestors? Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they come weeping to me and say, give us meat to eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you are going to treat me, put me to death at once. If I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my misery. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting, and have them take their place there with you. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered seventy elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the seventy elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, They prophesied, but they did not do so again. Two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad, one named Medad. The Spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, so they prophesied at the camp. And a young man ran up and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying at the prophesying at the camp. Joshua, the son of Nun, an assistant to Moses, one of his chosen men, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Word of God, word of life. The second reading is from Psalm 19. The teaching of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It gives wisdom to the simple. The statutes of the Lord are joined. Rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 
More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can detect one's own offenses? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins, and let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound, and innocent of a great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The second reading is from James, chapter 5. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if any among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. 
For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Beloved of God, grace and peace to you from our heavenly parent and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's just start by saying that today's gospel reading for today is a tough one. These are some of the hardest sayings of Jesus. And let's just say I haven't seen any of these verses embroidered on a throw pillow. First, Jesus addresses an early sectarianism among those using his name. The disciple John tells Jesus about a person casting out demons in his name. The disciples tried to stop him because they weren't part of this little group of followers. But Jesus says, do not stop him. Whoever is is not against us is for us. And he goes on to say that his disciples are going to need hospitality from those outside of their group if they are going to make it. Whoever gives you a cup of water drink because you bear my name will by no means lose the reward. This first part of the teaching is a good reminder for us to be humble about our small part in the much larger movement of God and Jesus. Maybe there's a poor Pentecostal church meeting in a storefront somewhere this morning filled with people speaking in tongues. Now that's not our way, but we... But who are we to stop them if they are acting in the name of Jesus? Jesus says, whoever is not against us is for us. So who knows? Maybe we'll need a cool cup of water from them at some point. There is an urgency to Jesus' language here and to his movement in general. He's doing battle against the forces of sin, death, and chaos. And so he doesn't want us to stop and worry about some people doing some good in his name. That's what I hear him saying to his disciples in that first section. And it's a good teaching for us at any time, too. But I really want to focus on the second half, where Jesus turns to the topic of mistreatment, of abuse within the community, and he uses the shock factor to stress how seriously God takes the way we treat each other. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, he says. The word used here for stumbling block primarily means a trap for catching a live animal, but can also carry the sense of tripping someone so that they fall over. Likewise, little ones could refer to children in the community, or it can refer more broadly to those who are vulnerable within the community of followers. And Jesus wants to make it abundantly clear. The mistreatment or abuse of the vulnerable in his community of followers is taken deadly seriously by God. If you mistreat one of these little ones, he says, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. Likewise, if your hand or foot or eye causes you to stumble, cut it off, cut it out, Jesus says. It's better to enter the kingdom sans hand or foot or eye than to be thrown into an unquenchable fire. In this case, we not only harm others, but we trip ourselves up too. Jesus takes seriously our proclivity for self-sabotage. Could Jesus be any more serious here? Isn't he being a little over the top, we might wonder? You know, I love to talk about the love and peace and joy of Jesus, and I think that is the core of the truth. But passages like this remind us not to over-sentimentalize the message of Jesus either. Jesus is about peace and love, but Jesus is also, also urgently on the side of justice and righteousness, too, especially for the most vulnerable And so Jesus uses overstatement, extreme and hyperbolic language to shock us, his hearers, into understanding him. 
It was the American author Flannery O'Connor who said, for the heart of hearing, you need to shout. For the heart of seeing, you need to draw large and startling figures. And I think that's what Jesus is doing here. He's shouting so we might hear. He's drawing large and startling figures so we might see. Do not mistreat the vulnerable in your midst. Stop it. As commentator C. Clafton Black puts it, Jesus uses shock treatment to jolt his followers out of smug self-complacency and shameless indecency. But I suppose the biggest stumbling block for us in the text is all of this hellish imagery of images of unquenchable fire and physical torment. Doesn't it make God out to be an abuser himself? It helps to know that the word translated as hell here is the Aramaic word Gehenna. So if you were to look at the text and wherever you see the word hell, imagine the word Gehenna. Gehenna was a physical location. It was a place you could point to on the map in the first century. Gehenna was a ravine south of Jerusalem, notorious for stories of pagan infanticide, and later Jews imagined that Gehenna was a place for final judgment of the wicked. Likewise, if you look at the Old Testament, for example in Isaiah, undying worm and unquenchable fire are stock images for the destruction of evil in the Old Testament. So Jesus is really borrowing language from older traditions. But ever since the King James, English translations have somewhat unhelpfully translated Gehenna as hell. But it is unlikely that Jesus was picturing what we might picture. I don't think Jesus was picturing a place below our feet with little red creatures with pitchforks. He was using the word Gehenna, a place on the map, the Aramaic Aramaic word for the Valley of Hinnom. And we tend to hear texts of judgment only as bad news. But for many in the time of Jesus, messages of God's judgment was good news. Belief in a day of judgment arose from cries for injustice that people felt went unheard. When the poor cried out for justice, they believed God would lift them up one day, that abusers would have to face the reality of what they had done. You see, our Bible was mostly written by people without political or economic power. What hope did they have? apart from divine intervention. Almost all of our Bible was written by people on the underside of history, by people who lived with a boot on their neck. The idea that God would come and make things right was often their only hope, the thing that would keep them going. They looked around and saw that the wrong were oft so strong. Good people suffered and wicked people seemed to prosper. So they hoped for a day when their good God would come and set things right. That's hard for us to hear since we live in a largely prosperous place, but if we can try to place ourselves in the position, and perhaps some of us know this better than others, in the power of the powerless Galilean, perhaps we can begin to hear the yearning for justice in texts of justice, in texts like these. Caroline Lewis says, In this passage, Jesus is telling us how hard faith is. Jesus uses hyperbole to wake us up. Don't place stumbling blocks in front of other people's faith. Don't let yourself get tripped up either. There's no time for it. Lewis adds that the opposite of a stumbling block is clearing the way, is clearing the path. Like John the Baptist, who said he came to prepare the way of the Lord, to make his ways straight and level. So maybe for us, the paths, the paths, making the path straight starts with making uh, the path straight for our neighbor. Maybe making the path straight for Jesus starts with them, with the little ones, with our neighbors. Maybe it requires a determination to resist stumbling blocks and to remove them when we see them. For Lewis, clearing the path is a clear mark 
of discipleship. Now we are having a reckoning uh, in our wider church, in our world, in so many ways around instances of abuse, especially of the most vulnerable. One such case is the history of uh, Indian boarding schools in the United States, residential schools in Canada. Coming up this week on September 30th is what's called Orange Shirt Day, which is a day for First Nation people in both Canada and the United States to raise up the harm of the residential school system and as an affirmation of the commitment that every child matters. The story for why orange has become so symbolic starts with a woman named Phyllis Webstead. In 1973, Phyllis went to the Mission, which was a Christian-run residential school for Native children in Canada. Phyllis lived with her grandmother on the Dog Creek Reservation. They never had very much money, but somehow her grandma managed to buy a new outfit for her to go to the Mission School. Phyllis shares in her own words, I remember going to Robinson's store and picking out a shiny orange shirt. It had string laced up the front and was so bright and exciting, just like I felt to be going to school. When I got to the mission, they stripped me and took away my clothes, including my beautiful orange shirt. I never wore it again. I didn't understand why they wouldn't give it back to me. It was mine. The color orange has always reminded me of that and how my feelings didn't matter, how no one cared and how I felt like I was worth nothing. All of us little children were crying and no one cared. The orange shirt and color now symbolizes how the church and the schools they administered took away the indigenous identity of the children in their care. The United States is a little ways behind Canada uh, in coming to this reckoning. In the United States, these residential schools were often called Indian boarding schools, and there were more than 367 of them. Schools that often removed children from their families and culture and attempted to force assimilation, un often in God's name. We'll be saying more about this in the coming months. But just to let you know, Trinity's Worship Commission has been discussing this because the ELCA American Indian and Alaska Native Lutheran Association has asked congregations like us to display orange banners in our sanctuaries for 225 days, which was roughly the number of, a, roughly the number of bodies uncovered at one of these schools in Canada. To place this banner in remembrance and lament of each child that was thrown into those graves, and, and those yet to be located. I see this awful history and its legacy as a stumbling block put before little ones. And the legacy, if it remains unaccounted for, hidden, will remain a stumbling block for us and our work. It would be better if we had millstones around our necks if we don't confront this. If we are to move forward, we will have to make paths straight. We will have to do the hard work of truth and justice. We will have to remove the stumbling blocks from the path because that is the path of discipleship that Jesus lays before us. This is a heavy message for us, but I want us to hear this. It is ultimately good news that Jesus takes our relations and the vulnerable so seriously. Would we prefer a God who was indifferent to that? Every child matters to Jesus. Amen.
Made children and heirs of God's promise, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. We pray for the church and its ministry, bless the newly baptized, and encourage them in their journey of faith. Sustain all members of the body of Christ in lives of prayer, service, and worship. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the natural wonders of your creation, for the Yahara River and the Starkweather Creek, for Lakes Monona, Mendota, restore damaged forest, waterways, and natural habitats, and lead us to be good stewards of what you have provided. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all refugees and for those seeking asylum at the U.S. border. Holy God, you accompany us through times of uprootedness and strife. Open our hearts and homes, our gates and doors, so that they find safety, peace, and welcome, a place to live in freedom and without fear. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the worship leaders of this congregation, musicians, readers, acolytes, assisting ministers, ushers, prayer leaders, and live stream volunteers. Bless us through their ministry and grant them the passion to continue their service. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray for the equitable vaccine access and for those who are struggling with cancer, dementia, and any other disease. Provide them with peace and resilience for the days ahead. Sustain caregivers with energy and patience. We pray especially for the well-being of Denia, Galen, John, Jim, Kristen, and Bob. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We give thanks for all your saints, those we have loved and known, and those from every time and place. We remember Betty, Yoakum, and pray for her family. Continue to guide us by their example and reassure us of your promised salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and those in our hearts known only to you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please take a moment to turn around and wave or share a sign of peace uh, with those around you. <laughs> peace be with you. We won't be passing an offering plate today, but there is an offering plate by the baptismal font where either on your way up to communion or on your way out today, you can leave an offering. And we'll now hear our musical offering.
Please stand as you are able. The Lord be with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right our duty and our joy that we should all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. and merciful Lord, heaven and earth are full of your glory. In great love you sent to us Jesus, your Son, who reached out to heal the sick and suffering, who preached good news to the poor, and who on the cross opened his arms to all. The night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. It's my body, given for you. Do this. For the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave for all the drinks, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Pour out upon us the spirit of your love, O Lord and unite the wills of all who share this heavenly food, the body and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated uh, as we share a few instructions for communion. Come up for communion today, you will come to the side aisle and come forward where at the front there are these two side tables where there are empty glasses. You can pick up an empty glass and bring it to the railing where it will be filled with wine and you will receive bread. And you can, when you have communed, you can return down the center aisle and place your empty glass in this bowl here at the center aisle. If you need or desire grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. You can just pick those up on your way and bring them to the railing. Uh, as you come forward, please be mindful of social distance, keeping about six feet of distance between you and those outside of your household, both as you come up the aisle and when you're at the railing. Just try and keep uh, a little distance between those uh, outside of your household. All who are with us today, including those who are online, are welcome to commune with us today. This is the Lord's table, not Trandy Lutheran's table. And the invitation comes from Christ. All is now ready. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. This is the body of Christ given.
Please stand as you are able. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in God's grace. Amen. Amen. Lord of life, and the gift of your body and blood, you turn the crumbs of our faith into a feast of salvation. Send us forth into the world with showers of joy, bearing witness to the abundance of your love in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. People of God, you are Christ's body, bringing new life to a suffering world. The Holy Trinity, one God, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, the living word dwells in you. Thanks be to God.